Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. back to the official SEC Slow Smoke podcast, where we'll be previewing South Carolina football. I'm your host, Alex, joined by just one lovely host tonight, Holt Smash. What's up? Not much, Alex. Uh, I can't lie. The uh, the man tried to cut off my power today. Dude, did you stick it to the man? Um, Sort of. Um sort of. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll just give a quick rundown of what happened real quick. So, I, you know, we just moved into a new house a couple months ago. And, you know, and I signed up for my, you know, the Memphis, like, gas and water company or whatever. So, I, I called them up about a week before I moved in. I'm like, you know, sign up a new account or whatever. And I talked to this, uh, you know, this this nice gentleman working over there answering the phone. His name was Devin. And he said, uh, you know, hey, man, we're going to send you this uh, form. Make sure you fill it out. Um, otherwise, you know, we're going to have to cut your power off or whatever because you have to fill out this form before you can, you know, continue getting power or whatever. So, anyway, um, uh, it's, it's about like, oh, you know, 10, 10, 11 days later, I still haven't received it. So, I'm kind of freaking out because I'm like, you know, you only you told me I only had like a month or two to figure this out. So, I call him back and he answers again. I'm like, hey, Devin, what's up, man? Can you, uh, can you send that form again because I haven't gotten it? And so he sends it again, and then, like, the next day I get the form. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I got it. I fill it out. And, uh, you know, it, it was really only, like, a few questions, like, all basic stuff. Like, I didn't really realize what, like, the big deal about it was. And uh, I sent it back in, and then uh, I got another form, like, uh, like, a week later. And I was like, you know, it was the same form. So I was like, oh, I guess, like, that was the, you know, it was just that delayed or whatever. So I, feel, I just went ahead and filled that form out, too, and, you know. It's not going to hurt anything, um, and it only took like two seconds. So I filled that one out, sent it back, and this is all through mail, by the way. And uh, and so like I'm just I think I'm just like done with it. And then um, <laughs> I, uh, I I get a call from MLGW like a month ago, and uh, you know I was like, well, that's kind of weird that they would be calling me. So I call him back, and I'm like, I, you know, talk to uh, a lovely young lady named uh, Monique. And she was like, I was like, hey, like, what's up? Like, why did y'all call me? And she was like, I have no idea why anyone would call you. Your, you know, your file looks fine. Everything looks like it's in order or whatever. So I'm like, all right, cool. And uh, then I didn't hear anything until this morning. So I showed up my house and they're like, hey, we're cutting off your power. And I was like, <laughs> I was like what? <laughs> so like, uh, so I call again and uh, Miss Monique answers again. She was very polite. She was very kind. And she just stated to me that uh, that they needed two forms of identification from me. And apparently they hadn't gotten that. And I had not received anything from them um, about that. So um, this is the first I was hearing of it. She did tell me that they sent a letter telling me that, that I, they still hadn't received it and they were going to come and power off. But I had never received that letter. And um, I'm probably going to receive it like next week, honestly. <laughs> and uh, so I had to... Uh, I had to combine my early break and my lunch uh, to go over to um, to the MLGW. And she did also inform me uh, on the phone. Um, she asked me where I was so that she could tell me where the closest location was. So that was also pretty nice of her. Um, so I went over there and uh, got to drive. Unfortunately, uh, the, uh, the closest location was in Orange Mound. <laughs> so right. I, I drove over there and I'm wearing like a pink pole, like some Nikes. And, and yeah. Well, no, actually, so I'm, I'm driving a truck right now, but, uh, 
so that, that's what I dealt with today. And uh, but I, they got me sorted out over there. They're, everybody over there was really nice. And uh, you know, I definitely stuck out like a sore thumb. You know, dressing like uh, you know, I was going to like a like a yacht party or something. Like walk up in the hood to the to the, to the MLGW place, and they're all looking like me, looking at me like I had two heads. I, I wasn't sure if it was because I was like the only white dude in there or because. Um, like I looked like I was upset because I definitely felt like everyone could tell that I was upset. I wasn't like yelling or like throwing stuff or anything like that, but I was definitely very uh, irritated. But I got taken care of and power still on, so we're good to go. So much bitch assness today. Um, ML, I was telling I was talking to JB about this because he was telling me about it earlier today. Um, there, there's no competition in Memphis for utilities, so MOGW is your provider, and they know that, and they give zero shits about how they treat you not that miss monique wasn't nice or Devin wasn't nice to you but like they're like basically like hey we'll be nice to you but we just work here so we're not gonna get involved and try to like go above and beyond and like sympathize with you it's just it's it is what it is right and you know i mean it's not their fault they haven't done anything wrong it's you know it's above them but i just you know i even isolate the at the i keep saying the dmv by mistake because it, it felt like a dmv um but the lady over at the MLGW place, you know, I was like, hey, like, is there any way you can just, like, send me emails? Like, do you have to send me everything through the mail? And they're like, no, we don't do that. And I was like, okay, cool. So apparently – and, uh, well, actually, I forgot to mention this, too. This may have had something to do with it as well. But our mailbox got knocked over, and it was down for, like, two weeks. So that may have had something to do with it as well. But, I mean, I just assumed they would be saving my mail until they could deliver it again. But maybe not. I don't know. Maybe the mail lady was just like – Oh, your mailbox down? Well, this is going to garbage. I mean, I don't know. Maybe she did. <laughs> this, this is how it works now. Well, at least you got power on now. You're you're good. You're set. Yeah. You're, you're moving forward with life. Um, yeah. Don't have as adventure uh, as an eventful day as you, but I did just come back from meeting a frosty, so that was the, the delay in the podcast. <laughs> that, was, that was quite tasty. Um, wasn't ninety nine cents? I don't know if you knew, knew there was like a ninety nine cents summer special at one point, but um, it was only like a dollar twenty, and I think I can afford that these days. Uh, time's doing well in the podcast, uh-huh. and I, I feel good. Feel good enough to splurge a little bit on myself. Yeah. Alex, just Alex over here bragging about like how much money he makes. So he's not afraid to pay an extra, you know, what is it, twenty one cents for for a frosty. Don't forget that tax, tax because it's now it's like seven point seven five percent on one twenty one instead of ninety nine cents. So you know it adds up compound interest. You know. Wow. Wow, so you're you're just like really rolling in the dough these days. Well, it's just all thanks to SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. You know, we got a couple couple favorites, a couple maybe a couple of retweets today. We're doing big things, and um, I just felt like I felt like we could do it. It's kind of like when um, you if you're familiar with Entourage, which you are, and uh, Johnny Chase, Vincent's brother, um, decides to get like an apartment or a house. I think it's like apartment or condo, high rise for himself in L.A. And he was trying to. Nick lowballed the realtor for the like $1.7 million uh, condo. And he said like 1.4 and he kept going back and forth. And the realtor like, this is the price is 1.7 million. And he finally says, you know what? Fuck it. 1.7 million. My show's getting picked up. That's how I feel right now. <laughs> With the Wendy's Frosty is like, you know what? It doesn't matter. We're, uh, we're doing <laughs> season two of SEC slow smoke podcasts doing big things. And I'm gonna we're gonna try our best here. This it's kind of hard, but we're gonna try our best. It's a new season, and but we're doing the same teams for previews. We're gonna try not to uh, overlap too many of the same questions slash themes from last year, but occasionally that that overlap happens. Now we're talking about South Carolina this year, Holton, and the theme this year is different from last year. Last year, if I recall correctly, they were coming off the nine and four season the year before. And that was when everybody's like, okay, well, Muschamp's figured it out finally at South Carolina. He's a good coach. Some people thought he should have won SEC Coach of the Year, but he didn't. Um, but then we find out in 2018, this is the Will Muschamp we thought it, sh- it should have been. Um, I think a lot of people said, and we agreed after the season, that the 9-4 was a result of a weak schedule. And that's kind of what happened in 2018. It kind of just looks like the old Will Muschamp we've seen. You know, they're slightly above average team that wins ugly games and doesn't play great offense. Uh, what's your take on last year, Holt? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think it was just kind of 
You know, I feel like two years ago, everything kind of went right. And then last year, everything kind of went wrong. You know what I mean? This is kind of, it just kind of like even out, um, evening out of the, you know, the luck there. Um, you know, I, I've always kind of made fun of South Carolina for hiring Will Muschamp. I just didn't think it was a very smart hire. But I mean, you know, I guess depending on what it is that you're looking for in your program, um, he could be a good coach. I mean, um, or a good enough coach because he does recruit at a really high level. And like we're going to talk about throughout this podcast, I mean, South Carolina has some talent on their team and, you know, they've, they look like they could be pretty good on offense this year. They're really explosive in the passing game a season ago. So uh, you know, they definitely, that's something you never saw from Will Muschamp at Florida. And if he can get that defense going and um, you know, he's got, he's bringing in a lot of talent this year. And uh, they had a lot of injuries last year that kind of led to uh, those struggles on defense last year. So it'd be kind of interesting to get everybody back, you know, kind of healthy again or more healthy than they were last year and uh, adding some some really talented freshmen as well. Um, I think they have a chance to have a pretty good season this year. Relative. It's just, Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say is I know that you're probably about to say this, but I mean, looking at their schedule it is just, I mean, it is just murder's row. I mean, they play not only the like the three best teams in college football, but you know they have to travel to Texas A&M. They have to travel to Tennessee, which is not an easy game. I mean, you really only look at you know Charleston Southern, and I mean maybe App State is like the easy wins. You know, I mean they played North Carolina as well, which uh, to open the season, which I think they'll win. But you just don't see a lot of there's no easy wins on the schedule. You know what I mean, like. If, if the bottom falls off, like, worst-case scenario, honestly, they could go, like, you know, four and eight, three and nine. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but, like, just looking at, like, all the teams they play, um, there's just no easy wins, really, on their schedule outside of Charleston Southern and App State. And there's a couple couple points I want to add here. Um, first of all, Charleston Southern and App State, I guess, are the easiest games, but Obviously, Charleston Southern's not – it should be an easy win, like probably a blowout win. But App State definitely is not an easy win. Um, they won the Sun Belt last year. They have a new coach, uh, Satterfield, left for Louisville. And they had the um, NC, NC State offensive coordinator, who some people really like a lot, but um, I'm not sure how he is. I think his name is Drinkowitz is how you say it. But um, he's – I don't know. I think App State at this point is on – Pilot and they're going to be a good team this year in the Sun Belt. And I think they're projected to win the Sun Belt. So App State could possibly be better than some of the other teams, like maybe even Vanderbilt, North Carolina, depending on how you look at, especially North Carolina because they're in rebuild. And Vanderbilt, you just never know if they're going to win some games. Alex, uh, Upa's not listening to the podcast. You don't have to talk about App State just for her. Oh, oh, you're right. You're right. Well, I felt bad because I didn't get her Wendy's and she was she was she was mad. Well, I, I say that. I say she was mad, but she wasn't mad because I, I went, I went, she went out to eat with her friends, and I got the Wendy's washes, washes out with her friends, and I, yeah, you'll understand one day old, but I, I, I got the frosting and ate it before she got back, and then I put it in the garbage can, but I hid it down low under some trash so she could never see it because <laughs> I knew if she saw that, she'd be like, "You got a frosting without me." Yeah, uh, well, yeah, well, I mean, it's, you know, it's not 99 cents anymore. I mean, what do you want? Like, I can only afford one. Yeah. Uh, what do you think this money? is? Uh, that'll be two checks, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's 21st century. We believe in equality these days. Anyway, um, so that's point number one is I'd say it's a good team. Hold. So back up on that. Point number two, you said Will Muschamp recruits really well, and he does nationally. In the conference, though, it's average. And I've looked this up just now because I thought the same thing. He recruits over the last two or three years, including this 2020 class. Uh, it's looking to be a top 20 class, which is pretty good. Um, but it's like seventh, eighth, or ninth in the SEC. And you could maybe argue that it's you know top three in the SEC East, at least. Or top four in SEC East, but it's there's not top twenty nationally recruiting isn't going to separate separate you enough in SEC, and you can't out talent somebody in SEC. The only teams that out truly out talent in the SEC are probably Alabama and Georgia, and maybe LSU. But even then, there's just too many good players in SEC to out recruit. So you you it's like you recruit so well only just to get say up to par with the rest of the SEC. 
So that's another point I want to make. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. And, um, you know, kind of like you said, you know, being in the East is a little bit different um, than the West, but, um, you know, you look at South Carolina and, and they, they'd recruit way better than Vanderbilt, Missouri, and Kentucky. Um, and they don't recruit that much worse than Tennessee and Florida, though maybe a little bit below Tennessee and Florida, but pretty close. And um, obviously Georgia is on a completely different level, but, you know, if they're able to develop those players and, you know, just have like a good culture and, and all those types of things, I mean, they could be right there in the, in the top of the SEC East. I mean, not on top of Georgia, but, you know, after Georgia, they could be like right in that conversation after that. Yeah, this is actually going to be a fun podcast. I kind of um, South Carolina is kind of a fun team to talk about because there, there's a lot going on with South Carolina. Um, before uh, we get into the schedule, um, I want to talk a little bit more about Will Muschamp. Uh, we talked about how last season, I don't know if this still was a disappointment, but it was a letdown compared to the 2017 season. Uh, the talk this year is probably going to be centered around Will Muschamp in South Carolina. Can they, you know, get more? get more wins basically is what it's going to come down to. Uh, and is he going to be on the hot seat is the question. I don't think he's going to get fired this year. Most people will tell you that he has probably two years left, depending on how, how bad this year goes. He could, he should get two years unless the, you know, he gets two or three wins then maybe this should be his last year. But I think, I think he will survive this year, even the tough schedule. Um, but I want to ask you Holt before we get into, you know, shit talking, Will Muschamp, I was just thinking about this, uh, out of all the SEC coaches, would you would you rather get a beer with anybody else other than Will Muschamp? Um, could you repeat that one more time? You cut out like right when you said it. Out of all the would I get... out of all the SEC coaches, would you rather get a beer with anyone else other than Will Muschamp? I can okay, think of... a beer. I thought you said. I, for, at first, I thought you were saying like a beef, like like we would have like a problem. Like I didn't want to like have. A be on his bad side or whatever but no i see i gotta think about that for a second because i gotta think about who all the coaches are one coach and i think you know but i mean i think joe moorhead is a pretty cool guy um see i mean ed orgeron would just be crazy um that's what i was thinking because i think like coach o might be the only answer that's acceptable here uh universally but the problem is like you'd have so much trouble understanding him and i don't know like if we just think about I'm curious, like how you, how Coach O was like back in his college prime day. Like, you think he was like crazy doing keg stands with a shirt off, kind of like we picture him now, or was a little more tame? And I think Will Muschamp. If I think about him, I just think he was like a total bro, and why he played football at Georgia and was um, just very cool to hang out with. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think probably Will Muschamp is probably would probably be the coolest off the field coach, just in general, just. You know, in his personal life, he strikes me as the kind of guy who would be cool to hang out with. That's probably why he's yeah. such a good recruiter. And that's another question. Do you think, uh, you know, with all these different coaches and people on staff now, do you think Will Muschamp is at the forefront recruiting, going to going in living rooms, or do you think? And I, this is just, I guess, a general college football question. I mean, you hear about Nick Saban doing this sometimes, but do you think Will Muschamp is out there recruiting? like knocking on doors basically well i think uh, i think uh i've seen Muschamp on the record before stating that like he won't have an assistant coach that can't recruit like you have to be a good recruiter to be an assistant coach for him um so i do believe that you know it's kind of a team effort he he hires recruiters to coach on his staff because that's that kind of stuff is really important but i do believe that he definitely will take a personal interest in like some of the more important recruits in the class and definitely, you know, be involved in that recruitment. And I think that's kind of a big deal, too, because a lot of coaches, you know, don't want to be involved in recruiting. They kind of just want to let their assistants do all the work. And um, But the really good coaches and the great recruiters are the ones that are able to, um, you know, to get involved and to kind of, you know, be at the forefront of, of the recruitment, especially on, like, the bigger players. Yes. Um, if you <laughs> – and the reason why I asked you about the drinking a beer with Will Muschamp question is because whenever he got fired at Florida, he had like a horrible year at Florida before he got fired. Um, their their offense looked atrocious. But whenever he had that press conference on his way out, 
you can understand why his players love him and why his players want to run through a wall for him because he just is very honest and he just it sounds like a cool dude. I don't know if you remember exactly the press conference I'm talking about, Holt, or if you listen to it all at all, but it just it made you really like him as a person. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that specifically, but I do believe it. I mean, he's just you know, I mean, he just says all the things that like I don't know, like you just sort of feel like uh, like as a fan, I know like. He just he doesn't really like to make excuses, and he's not afraid of expectations. He's not afraid to say that he wants to win a championship. He's not afraid to, you know, basically just just say everything, like leave it all out. You know, a lot of coaches will try to like, you know, under you know undersell and overperform. And I mean that I guess is a good motto, but it's just it's just I really enjoy or really appreciate a coach who's just like not afraid to run from expectations and not, not going to back down from anybody. And it just is like, you know, you're going to get, uh, you know, his best shot and you know, he's not going to get out work by anybody. And just, uh, just all that kind of stuff that, you know, he just makes it known and you see it on the recruiting trail. I mean, that's really where you see it to me is that's where you see um, how committed coaches are to their school and how committed they are to, um, you know, to building a championship program is like, are they willing to do everything possible on their recruiting trail to recruit at a high level? Yes. Uh, we, you talk about expectations, Holt, and that's a good point here because uh, you're, you're saying that you like how Wilma's champ uh, is, doesn't shy away from the expectations of building a championship program and wanting to win a championship at South Carolina. You know, it seems something that, that, some might say improbable or unlikely or impossible at South Carolina. A couple points to that is one is Steve Spurrier won, I think whatever it was, 11 games, three years in a row. So that's winning at a winning at um, a high level. That's point one. So it has been done before. And point two is if Clemson, right, not necessarily right down the street, but your in-state rival can build a championship team and championship program why the hell can South Carolina not? Because I don't see why Clemson can't is the, why Clemson can be or is that much better than South Carolina. What does Clemson have that South Carolina doesn't? It's my question. Obviously, they have Dabo now, but I'm just saying that I think from like a facilities players, like maybe South Carolina doesn't have the best players to recruit from, but uh, I just think if Clemson can recruit nationally and win championships than South Carolina can too no I completely agree and I don't you know there was that whole comment about South Carolina being like the little brother to Clemson or whatever and you know I I you know it wasn't that long ago that South Carolina beat Clemson what like five or six games in a row or whatever it was and had that long streak against them and you know it it could have just as easily been South Carolina uh, to be where Clemson is right now I mean I think Clemson just kind of hit the jackpot with hiring the right coach and sticking with him, uh, you know, for him to get his, you know, feet under him and all that stuff and kind of run the program the way he wants to run it. And uh, I just think Clemson just kind of hit the jackpot. I mean, honestly, I, I think that if, if Dabo would have been at any other school, like, you know, maybe not any other school, most other schools, it would have been a similar situation. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of programs he could have won that championships with. I, I agree with that. Um, all right, let's move on to the offense and defense hole, break down the players. Um, I'll tell you what I know, and I want you to tell me what you know. So we have seven offensive returning starters and five defensive returning starters, thanks to your, your input earlier <laughs> before this podcast started. You helped me out with that one. We have Jake Bentley returning for, I guess, his senior year, fourth year starter now. Brian Edwards on as wide receiver and Javon Kinlaw for defensive line. Those are your possible – uh, all SEC players on South Carolina's team. Um, does the whole season revolve around Jake Bentley and if he can progress? And question two is why the hell is Jake? Can Jake Bentley not progress? Because you know he we we brought um, he came into the league or not NFL but the college into uh, into South Carolina as this. 17-year-old, basically high school senior, starting for South Carolina. He had all this potential because he was so young and already starting and doing so well at South Carolina. But he's finally a senior now, so it's finally like time for him to you know, own up to that potential. Uh, so I'm just wondering, can he do that? Can he 
can he live up to his promise that he came came with his freshman year and does the season revolve around him? Um, I'm going to say that no, the season does not revolve around him. I think that Jake Bentley uh, is a really solid quarterback. Um, I think the fact that he's a senior this year kind of – I just feel like there's always like that little bit of extra motivation that goes into your senior year. Um, you know, he played pretty well last year. I think the biggest problem was just the interceptions, especially the interceptions in the red zone. Um, that really killed him last year. Um, he strikes me as the kind of guy who is going to work really hard and, um, you know, work on that red zone passing uh, this offseason and really improve on that. And as I stated earlier, I mean, being a, a senior, especially a senior quarterback, I just think there's a whole new, like, sense of urgency that comes with that. I mean, he knows this is his last shot. He knows this this is his last season. Um, I don't know if the, if the team really revolves around one position specifically, but I definitely think the biggest question for South Carolina is going to be running back. You know, I mean, they lose uh, – or they bring back Rico Dowdle, who is a solid running back, someone that I like a lot, someone that we talked about on the podcast before. Uh, he's a senior this year. And, you know, but he only had 654 rushing yards last year. Um, and I think he's capable of being better than that but we just haven't seen it from him. He's a little bit, you know, I mean, I don't know his exact measurements in front of me, but I do believe he's a little bit undersized. Uh, not the biggest dude in the world, but just a really solid player, kind of explosive. And, you know, he's able to catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, you know, he's definitely someone to watch out for, and he's someone that they really need to step up this year because they really need someone to step up the running back position. You know, they lose Devo Samuel at receiver, and it seems like that should be like, yeah, that should be a huge loss, and it definitely is. But, you know, they they really spread the ball around well last year. Um, you know, Brian Edwards is uh, the leading returning receiver, and he was all SEC. And, you know, I, everyone's really been hyping him up this uh, this offseason uh, to be a really good player. They also return uh, Shai Smith and uh, Josh Van. So they definitely have some guys that can play uh, a receiver. And, you know, offensive line-wise, I think they should be okay. Um, I'm just really worried about the running back position because they're going to need to run the ball consistently uh, to win in this league. Uh, but that being said, I do think that they're going to be able to throw the ball really well. And uh, I think there aren't a lot of throwing teams, teams that can throw the ball in the SEC. So most uh, the teams they play, they're going to be the best passing team that they've played. I mean, in, at least in the SEC, aside from Georgia, I mean, they're going to be um, probably the best passing team in, in the East. You could maybe argue Kelly Bryant in Missouri, but um, you can't for sure argue that. So that's a good point. Um, I have Rico Dowdle's size in front of me, his measurements, as you like to call him, six feet, 215. Uh, well, so I guess not, he's a pretty big dude, though. Yeah, he's not, he's not super, he's not really undersized, but that's, you know, that six feet could very well be like five, nine. You never know. For yeah. basketball, that's. Well, he, does, he doesn't look that big on TV, I'll tell you that. TV does add like twenty pounds, so it must be like you know, one fifty in real life. Yeah, or maybe everybody else just is huge around him. Maybe that's just what it is. Yeah, but um, yeah, he had he, here's here's the stats breakdown. He had six hundred fifty four yards last year, uh, which is five point three yards per carry, but only four touchdowns. Um, but that was as a junior. As a freshman, he had seven hundred sixty four yards, uh, five point seven yards per carry with six touchdowns. So. Um, kind of very similar to Jake Finley who had a really good freshman year um, and not a necessarily great sophomore year, but he never lived up to the hype of his freshman year. He hasn't yet, but I think he does have a lot of potential, like you said, as shown in his freshman year. So we'll, um, we'll see if he can, if he can break out, but that, that would be that think about how much easier that would be. That would make life for Jake Finley if they could develop a running game. Cause uh, quarterback's best friend, besides a strong offensive line, is a great running game. It just takes so much pressure off of the quarterback when a running back can get five or six yards per carry. Yeah, and they do return four or five stars on the offensive line. So I do think they should be better this year. And they weren't bad last year. I mean, they, they were a decent offensive line. So, um, you know, bringing back four or five stars is definitely huge. And, um, you know, I know as we've stated on some other previews, we, we maybe don't know as much about the offensive line men specifically as – is some other analysts out there like Cole Kublik, for example. But, uh, you know, we like to look at them kind of as a unit uh, because that's sort of how they're judged. And, you know, bringing back four or five stars off the unit from last year, they should definitely be an improved group this season. 
Tell me about their defense. Hold, this is Will Muschamp's specialty, but they struggled last year. And you talked about injuries. You you expect to see a lot of improvement this year on the defense defensive side. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the strength of the team is going to be in the linebackers. Um, you know, TJ Brunt, TJ Brunson is one of the better players in the league. He's got all conference potential. Um, Sherrod Green is another guy um, that's a pretty solid player as well. Uh, but Ernest Jones um, missed eight games last year. And uh, he was a really solid player for them as well. So I think those three guys are going to be huge for South Carolina this year. They really need that linebacker core to be solid. Because um, on the defensive line, they're really talented, but they're also really young. And I think the secondary is more kind of the concern for the defense this year. Uh, but on that defensive line, you know, they bring in uh, – I can't pronounce his first name. I think it's just Zach, but it's with two Cs. So it's kind of – maybe – I don't know if it's pronounced differently. Like that. It looks like it's just Zach. It's like yeah, that. It's Z A C. It's Z A C C H. So I said, is that just Zach or is it like? I don't know. It's kind of like when you see like a big ass woman, you say she's thick with like two or three C's. Maybe that's kind of the thing. right. So it's still pronounced maybe. the same, but just maybe extra. Maybe it's like the Superman Zach or something. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Zach Pickens <laughs> was a five-star defensive lineman from the state of South Carolina last year. He's going to be a true freshman. He enrolled early, um, so he has already gone through the spring and everything. I think. Uh, I think uh, JB would agree if he was here, and I think you'll probably agree too. Defensive line is one of the positions uh, on the field. Uh, I'd say like defensive line and maybe like running back to the positions where you can come in and play right away as a true freshman. So I think he's got the ability to definitely come in and play right away and make a big impact um, on that defensive line. And, uh, you know, they have some other talented guys as well. So it should be, you know, they had some injuries there as well last year. So, you know, I think this is a group that could be pretty solid. I know Will Muschamp is pretty excited about his defensive line this year. Um, they don't really have a lot of proven guys, but they definitely have a lot of talent. And, you know, like I was talking about earlier, if those linebackers are able to stay healthy, they've got some talent as well. So, um, you know, I mean, and I mean, honestly, they have talent in the secondary as well. I mean, they've got some, some pretty highly recruited guys in the secondary. They just haven't really proved a whole lot. I think the secondary is more like the big question mark for this team. Um but I think, you know, with Will Muschamp and his defensive prowess, um, you know, and I mean, they, they do have a really tough schedule this year. And, you know, obviously Georgia, Alabama, and Clemson are all going to be really good on offense this year. But aside from those three, um, they're not going to face a lot of high-powered offenses. You know what I mean? So pretty much all the other teams in their schedule besides those three are going to be, you know, decent to – maybe stay above average on offense or maybe just not good at all on offense. So, um, you know, besides those three games, they'll be able to, to do fine on defense, I think. Before we get into the schedule, one more last question to ask about Will Muschamp, because um, everybody mentions this and just assumes, assumes it as true, that Will Muschamp is like the best defensive coordinator of all time. I, I mean, people don't go that far, but people obviously think he's a – great defensive mind um but do you think he might be slightly overrated because his defenses haven't necessarily been great at South Carolina and I remember even the one year at uh Auburn before he got South Carolina when he was defensive coordinator under uh Gus Malzahn that Auburn defense was horrible that one year they had I think they had a good team but their defense was horrible um so I was just wondering if you thought that maybe Will Muschamp is a great defensive coordinator but lately hasn't had a great defenses so it might be a little bit overrated right well I mean the Auburn situation was just kind of weird because you know it was a, a one-year thing um, he didn't recruit any of those guys none of those guys were recruited to run his system and it was just kind of a you know it's just not a great situation they didn't have a ton of talent on defense that year so I kind of give him a pass for that one season um, as far as last year goes um, I just, I, I just honestly think it had a lot to do with injuries. I mean, I just remember watching the Florida game last year. That's the one that really sticks out to me. Um, you know, they had just come off a game against Ole Miss where the defense played terrible, but they were able to to pull it out. And then uh, they traveled down to Florida and they had that huge lead. And you know, I just remember um, Florida's running backs just running over South Carolina's defenders. It just seemed like they were just so worn out and just tired and like, you know, because they're they got so thin and they had so many injuries and they just, they couldn't play. And I mean, there was backups in there and they were all worn out and it was just Florida just ran like all over them in that second half and came all the way back to win that one. So 
obviously that was a really tough loss for Florida, but I just remember that game thinking like, you know, they're not this bad on defense, but it's just like it's gotten to this point because of all the injuries. Yeah. But but to answer your question, yeah, I do yeah, still believe in Wilmot's chance that, defensively. Uh, what's that? I couldn't hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. I think we're both talking at the same time right there. But I was just going to say to to answer your question, I do believe uh, still I do still believe in Will Muschamp's uh, defensive prowess. So he's, he's going to prove it this year. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I think he's going to. I think he's going to show something on defense this year. Despite only returning five defensive starters from last year, that you said the the new five star recruit coming in is going to make an impact, and the five returning starters are going to do great, and Will Muschamp's going to coach everyone on the side. Yeah, that's right. And the other thing to remember, too, is that, um, you know, the guys leaving, I'm not trying to bash any of the players that are leaving, but it's kind of like, you know, Spurrier wasn't recruiting great at the end of his career. So a lot of those guys from the end of the Spurrier uh, campaign are, are moving on. And then you got a number of the players that Muschamp has brought in to run his system. And as well as he's been recruiting, they should become more and more talented, like every year up until probably, you know, up until he gets to his like fifth year, which he's in his what third year now, so or fourth year? Is this fourth year already? Fourth year. Okay. So most of the guys that he's brought in should be either seniors or fourth year juniors at this point. So, so uh, no, you know they should. These are pretty much these are pretty much all his guys who, who they brought in. All right, let's get into this tough, tough schedule. Oh, is this the toughest schedule in the country? I think it might be. I mean, Texas A&M has a really tough schedule as well um, because South Carolina doesn't have to play tech, uh, doesn't have to play um, LSU. Um, but I mean, looking at this schedule, I mean, I mean, this schedule is absolutely brutal. It's hard to talk about them without talking about how hard the schedule is, and it's also possible that they could have a way better team and actually have a worse record than they did last year, which is kind of crazy to think about. I'm glad you mentioned AM because that's the one team I would say that could their schedule could compete with this. And I was thinking the exact same thing is that AM plays in the West, so theirs might be a little bit harder than South Carolina's, but South Carolina plays tougher non conference teams than AM. But I mean they both play Clemson, so that's like a uh you know, cancel out game. But they AM plays some not great non conference teams, which they should. I feel like they should at that point because they play a tough schedule, but they play Texas State, Lamar, uh, Texas San Antonio, uh, and Clemson as their non-conference game. So three easy wins plus a pro- probable loss. But that gets—I mean—that gets you gets you to Clemson. Clemson's going to have a tough schedule as well with playing South Carolina and um, and a yeah, plus their ACC schedule, which isn't necessarily the hardest schedule, but it's not easy. I think ACC is probably. Denver the Big Ten is the second best conference. I mean, that's a different debate for different times, so we won't get into it now. But um, nonetheless, South Carolina has a very, very tough schedule, and it's it's kind of low key uh, deeper than you think because you always on the surface you look at a and or you look at Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia, think okay, those are three of the best teams in the country, maybe and three three for sure losses. But other games that um, aren't necessarily for sure losses aren't easy wins either. Um, North Carolina should be an easier win, but like that's a, that's a game that's going to be not easy. I mean, it's the first game of the year. So both teams are going to be playing hard, especially North Carolina. It's in Charlotte. uh, And it's the first year of Mac Brown. Not that I'm high on Mac Brown, but I mean, I still think there'll be a lot of, uh, be a hard fought game from North Carolina for sure. And then um, App State, like I was saying earlier, isn't bad at all. So tough schedule all around. Um, looking at this whole, what is uh, the game you're most excited for? And I guess that's the question one is what, what game are you most excited for? And um, at some point in our life, we're going to cross off every SEC stadium on our list or go to at least every SEC stadium. And South Carolina is one that I think would be fun. And I could even go this year to the App State game. I was, I was thinking, hold, if you were going to go to a – South Carolina game this year, which one would it be? As in, which one would you actually pay for? Because, I mean, you could say Alabama, but you also don't want to pay $200 for it. So, if you could, you know, pay for a game and pick one on the schedule, which one would it be? Well, I would really like to see them play Clemson, uh, but that would probably also be a really expensive ticket. 
Um, so, I, I, I mean, I, I would probably still say Clemson. I mean, just to be able to witness that rivalry and, um, you know, that stadium just seems like a really cool place to uh, to see a game just from what I've seen on TV and people talk about it a lot. Um, and just being able to see just kind of everything that goes along with that would just be really cool. Um, you know, I also think the Florida game is going to be a low-key really good game this year. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of games. I mean, I think – you know, and I, I think that Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson, I, I think South Carolina could, could challenge all three of those teams. Um, you know, I definitely don't expect them to just get blown out in those three games. I, I think that uh, at least one of those games, they're going to have a really good shot to win fourth quarter, if I, if I had to guess. I definitely think there's going to be one of those games where they're going to – where they could possibly pull, like, a big upset late in the game if, uh, if something breaks their way. What what would you say is their floor and their ceiling in terms of wins this year? Hold the Vegas has them projected at five and a half wins, which is, kind of sounds pretty tough, but I mean it's based off the schedule. So curious what you think right. their uh, floor and ceiling is. Yeah, so I had uh, I was looking at their floor and I was thinking, you know, I mean I see I could see them losing. Like there's nine games on their schedule, I could see them losing, but I don't think. I think the odds of them losing nine gamers are very low. I'm gonna say uh, the floor for them would be five and seven, and I would say the ceiling would be like eight and four. If if they're really good this year, I think I think they could go eight. I think they're good enough to go eight and four this year. That's- um, I definitely think I definitely think they could pull an upset somewhere along the way, but it's just knowing Will Muschamp. Like I could also see him losing the game he's not supposed to lose. You know what I mean? I think I think that's something that. Is, is a key point there is that like I think they could be one of the three toughest games they have here, um, but I think they could also lose to like Tennessee or Vanderbilt or something like that just because that's just kind of how college football goes sometimes. But the fun thing about yeah, especially this, with Will Muschamp too, yeah. And the fun thing about this is that I feel like they're gonna play like they have nothing to lose in a lot of these games just because they're supposed to lose a lot of these games. So I think that's kind of fun to see a team that's playing more loose, especially you know get to that Alabama game, the third game of the year. If they're two and zero going into that game, especially given that uh, South Carolina beat Alabama last year, whatever it was, I think two thousand eight, maybe two thousand seven, six. When was it? I was no, that was two thousand ten. Okay, yeah, with. Um, God, Stephen Garcia. Yeah, who had the game of his life. So yeah, Fr- friend of a uh, friend of SEC slow smoke, Stephen Garcia. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, he did. He did. Uh, he did. Uh, favor or retweet one of our tweets once upon a time. So yeah, he he he, tw- he tweeted us a few times actually. Oh yeah, man. See, that's why Holt, you you deserve. You go get you a frosty too, man. <laughs> All right, let's let's get yeah. let's get into the schedule hole before we talk talk for five more hours. Uh, so let's just go uh, one by one here. Start off the game with the Belk kickoff game classic at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina against maybe the home team, North Carolina. Tell me, Holt, this is uh, closer to North Carolina than uh, South Carolina. Where do you see the fans in this game? Do you see it 50-50? Yeah, I think about 50-50. I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of South Carolina fans in Charlotte already um i know it's not a very far drive it's probably like a good weekend trip for a lot of south carolina fans so i think it's probably gonna be close to 50 50 okay what, what do you think about the game well i like south carolina in this game um i'm kind of intrigued by mac brown being hired in north carolina i i just i'm not really sure what to expect from them and then obviously they got phil longo as their offense coordinator who you know previously was at ole miss so definitely should have a pretty exciting offense in the ACC, but I don't think they're ready to compete this early on. I think that uh, it's going to take him a little bit of time to get to get situated in North Carolina before they're ready to start winning some games. So I got to the Gamecocks in this one. It's um, it's funny. I, for some reason, I just don't like Mac Brown. And you look at his, his resume, he's, he's won a lot of big games, or won a lot of games at Texas and won the – um, national championship with Vince Young, but I just don't like him at North Carolina again for some reason. I think it's just because he's older, and I really don't like him calling the Memphis games on Friday night on ESPN when he did that. So um, I'm just not big on him personally, but that's another story. Uh, so we'll say 1-0, and um, and I, hold, I think I might let you just call the shots for this because uh, there's no JV, and I don't think 
my opinion is as important as everyone as yours. So I'm just gonna go with your your uh, your call here. So uh, one to know North Carolina playing Charleston Southern at South Carolina. We're just gonna say that's a win, correct, Holt? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't need to talk about that one. All right, cool. Then the CBS game of the week against Alabama and South Carolina again. They did beat Alabama last time they played in 2010 with SEC slow smoke friend Stephen Garcia going off. Is there going to be a similar like performance for from Jake Bentley against this tough Alabama defense that doesn't allow anybody to score? No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, maybe they'll be able to score some points in this game um, just because Jake Bentley is a good quarterback and, you know, they play against a similar style defense in practice, at least – Maybe not as talented in practice, but um, they at least know what the defense is trying to do because it's, you know, a very similar system. So, uh, you know, I think Will Muschamp may have a few ideas on how to move the ball in Alabama and give them some trouble. But uh, at the end of the day, I mean, I just think two is going to have a huge game. You know, we talked about South Carolina having maybe some question marks in their secondary, and I just – I think that uh, – I just expect Alabama to have a big game and get the win here. But at the same time, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if South Carolina put up a fight in this game. You know, just like I said, and one of these games is going to be is going to be really close, and they're going to almost beat one of these teams. Will you be upset them? Will you be rooting for South Carolina against Alabama? Yeah, I, I think I think so. I mean, yeah, you know, like, I mean, I, I just got to the point where like Alabama winning is just kind of it's kind of old. I'm just kind of ready for them to lose. You know? Yeah, you know, I, I every time Alabama, I get excited about Alabama playing a team and like playing a team in a um, hostile uh, crowd that's not Alabama fans, like Prince LSU or um, Ole Miss even last year is one of, that sticks out to me. And I remember thinking, okay, Alabama's defense is great, but Ole Miss's offense scores 60 points a game and gets 500 yards. Uh, Ole Miss is going to be able to score here. And Alabama just shuts all hope out in, like, the first, yeah. the first like, five minutes. Because, oh, I think Ole Miss scored first against like, Alabama last year, and then after that, that was it. Like Alabama just shut it off for, from then on. Yeah, I mean, it's just that's just they're just a machine. Like they kind of take the fun out of it sometimes. Yeah, so we'll move on. Uh, two and one, South Carolina going to Columbia, Missouri, take on Kelly Bryant, Barry Odom, and Julie's Missouri Tigers. What you got in this one, Holt? Yeah, this is a really tough one. Uh, I'm going to go with Missouri in this one. I believe I picked South Carolina – or I believe I picked Missouri on the Missouri preview in this game. Um, you know, I just think that this is a good year for Missouri. I just – I think that, uh, you know, their schedule lines up really well for them, unlike South Carolina. And this game's at home for them. Um, I really like Kelly Bryant to, you know, maybe not have like a huge year, but I think he's just a solid player, and I really like the running game. So this, I mean, this game is really a toss-up, but I'm going to go with Missouri just because they're at home, and uh, I think that they're they're going to have like an outside shot to uh, to maybe make a New Year's Six game this year if, if they can do everything they need to do. Who's going to have the better year this year between Kelly Bryant and uh, Jake Bentley? Uh, I think Jake Bentley is going to have a better season. I just think, well, first of all, I think he's going to need to throw the ball a lot more just because um, I think they're going to be down in a lot of games. Um, I think Missouri's offense is going to be based more on the running game. And uh, I think Kelly Bryant's going to be, you know, a little bit more of a running threat in the, in the, in that offense than as much, as much passing as Jake Bentley is going to be doing. Two and two South Carolina takes on Kentucky and South Carolina does South Carolina finally in the Kentucky win streak. Uh, I'm going to say yes. I think uh, I, I I did pick South Carolina to win this game on Kentucky, and I'm definitely going to stick with that one here. I just think that um, I think South Carolina just got a little bit more offense than Kentucky. I'm just I'm worried about uh, Kentucky's offense being able to keep up with South Carolina's offense, and um, I just think that South Carolina is going to be able to put up more points on the board. And you know what they say: whoever's got more points in the game usually wins. So, dang, was that Aristotle? What was that Aristotle? Might have been. Yeah. That's pretty deep. All right. Three and two South Carolina taking on Georgia and Athens. I think this is an easy, easy loss for South Carolina and Athens. Maybe if you had said it was, if I said it was in Columbia, then it would be a closer game. Still a loss, but probably closer and more fun. 
But at Georgia, it's going to be a tough ride, Hope. It is. But you know what? I mean, South Carolina's coming off a bye week. And I was actually strongly, strongly debating picking South Carolina to win this game before the podcast started. Um, I'm not quite able to pull the trigger. Um, I just – I think Georgia might just be just a little bit overrated this year. Um, they really lost a lot from last year's team. They have a new offensive coordinator. But, you know, Jake Bentley is a great player. And, uh, you know, we don't know who they're starting running back. Well, I mean, I guess DeAndre Swift is going to be the running back. But we know they've got some other guys, too, that are, that are really talented that are going to play. And, I mean, they're just – they're just – they got so many players. They recruit so well that – I just think they're kind of a machine right now, sort of like a mini Alabama. And, um, man, I just – I really want to pick South Carolina to win this game because I really do think they could. Um, but I'm going to go with that. Or I'm going to go in Athens uh, for this one. What is that? Two, three, and three, South Carolina. Yeah, Georgia um, – Georgia knows how to drop the bag, as the kids say on Twitter, for the recruits. I don't know if I believe that completely because I, I think it's just easy cop out and say everybody pays every, everybody, but I, I do believe it happens, but I don't know if it happens as much as people talk about it. Um, but I think it does happen. So um, at least hopefully everybody in SEC pays equal. I, I would hope that at least, very least. Three and three, South Carolina takes on Florida in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, I know you're not as high on Florida this year, so I'm interested to see if you'll pick South Carolina here. Yeah, you know, um, I was just thinking about, you know, what South Carolina season is going to come down to, and I just think it's really going to come down to how they handle losses because, let's be real, like, they're not going undefeated on this schedule. Like, there's no way that that's going to happen. So the real question is, how does South Carolina respond after losses? Because they're probably going to lose to Alabama, they're probably going to lose to Georgia, and does that affect them? when they play the more winnable games in their schedule, you know what I mean? Like, do, do they get down about themselves? Do they get beat up? You know, that's really the question that I have. Um, and that's really going to be the question for this game, I think, because I'm going to pick South Carolina in this one. Um, I think that, you know, it's going to be a great atmosphere and I think they're going to be really excited to play. I feel like South Carolina always uh, gets out to play Florida for some reason. Um, you know, just like there's always been those connections there. Like, I mean, Obviously, Spurrier used to coach at Florida, and Muschamp used to coach at Florida. So they've always kind of had that, like, little extra, you know, thing for their coach in this game. So that's going to be kind of the, you know, the thing that I'm looking for in this game. And I'm not super high on Florida this year. I do really like their defense. um, But I'm not uh, totally in love with their offense. And I think that Will Muschamp could put together a good game plan to – keep Florida's offense down in this one and maybe give Jake Bentley a chance to, to make some big plays against that really aggressive uh, Todd Grantham defense. And uh, I like South Carolina to get the win on this one. Four and three South Carolina taking on the volunteers at, at Neyland. Say, so if you had told me between Florida and Tennessee, I would think they would beat Tennessee, not Florida. Um, but it's, it's kind of a tough to pick between these two games because if the game this, the game was at Florida, then you'd probably pick Florida. But if the Tennessee game was at South Carolina, then it'd be easier to pick South Carolina. But it's flipped, so it's kind of tough. So you're picking Florida – or are you picking South Carolina to beat Florida, but then are you picking South Carolina to lose Tennessee because it's at New England? Yeah, I am, I am picking Tennessee in this game. That's who I picked on the Tennessee preview. Um, I mean, honestly, like, I have no idea what this game is going to look like before, you know, like this week of the game. I mean – I have no clue. Like, part of me feels like Tennessee could really surprise a lot of people this year. And I actually, um, you know, I'm not picking them to have a good season, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. And I kind of feel the same way about South Carolina. I mean, I hate to, like, hedge my best too much here, but, I mean, honestly, like, I have no clue what to expect from this game. I think either team could be – could have could have a really surprising year and surprise a lot of people. Um, and I think either team has, you know, potential to kind of be disappointing and – maybe not play great, but since this game's at Tennessee, I'm going to go with Tennessee. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised at all if South Carolina won this game. I think Tennessee has than South Carolina does, but, um, you know, I just – I really like uh, Jerry Garantano and those big receivers to uh, to get some big plays in this game. And uh, I think Tennessee has a pretty solid secondary that could maybe slow down some of the, the South Carolina receivers. 
and I'm not I'm not sure that South Carolina has enough in the running game to take advantage of uh, maybe a weakness and being able to stop the run by Tennessee that I expect to see this year. So, you know, I, I'm going to go Tennessee in this one. Four and four. I think I have that right. Four and four, South Carolina taking on Vanderbilt at South Carolina. Yeah, I'm going with South Carolina in this one. You know, so, uh, I really like Vanderbilt, and we have to give a shout-out to our guy, Keyshawn Bond, anytime we talk about Vanderbilt. Um, but uh, I, I do, you know, I think Vanderbilt may be flying a little bit under radar this year, but they lose so much off of last year's team. Like, I just – I have a hard time seeing them making a bowl game this year, and obviously it's out South Carolina. South Carolina's going to be fighting for a bowl game in this, uh, this situation most likely. So uh, they're really going to need this win. And uh, I, I expect South Carolina to uh, to show. I, I expect it to be like an ugly game, just because Will Muschamp's coaching in it. But you know, I expect most most games that he coaches in are going to be ugly games. But I think uh, South Carolina pulls it out in the end. Five and four, South Carolina taking on App State at South Carolina. Before you pick this game, hold. I do want to remind you that App State did beat Michigan twenty years ago. Yeah, I remember. I remember that the entire season was pretty nuts. We did a whole podcast about it, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go with South Carolina in this one. I mean, I definitely think that App State has enough to uh, to sneak up on South Carolina, and uh, I mean, this is probably besides Charleston Southern, this is the easiest game on South Carolina's schedule, which really says a lot because you know App State is you know uh, favorites to win their division again this year, and they're a really great program, but. You know, I just think that the talent level is just is drastic enough to where South Carolina is going to be able to pull it out. So that would be now ball eligible South Carolina. Six wins, six at four, taking on Texas A&M and Clemson to finish the year. Um, we'll start with at Texas A&M, an improved A&M team from last year that might have the same record as the year before. Right, and I know you're a huge Kellen Mond fan. I like Kellen Mond a, a little bit as well. Um, you know, I mean, I I think Texas A&M has a chance to be really good this year. I think they're really talented. I think their physicality is really going to improve this year. I think that was kind of the problem under someone was just not being a very physical football team. And I think Jimbo is, is kind of um, working to change that. And I think we're going to see some a, kind of a different-looking Texas A&M team this year. And um, obviously this game is at College Station, but, you know, I mean, I mean, obviously this isn't the case for Jimbo, but I know under Sumlin, uh, South Carolina, or, uh, Texas A&M didn't win a lot of big games at home. Uh, they actually struggled in big games at home, but I'm going to go with Texas A&M in this one. Um, you know, I feel kind of boring just picking like the home teams in like every close game, <laughs> but like, it's just so hard to win on the road in the SEC and, you know, with the, Really tough schedule that South Carolina's played. I feel like they're probably going to be beat up by this point in the season, and I think Texas A&M has a little bit more depth overall. And um, I just think, you know, I think South, I think uh, Texas A&M is going to have a big season this year, and I think they're going to be able to beat South Carolina at home. Did you know that South Carolina has never beat A&M? No, I did not know that. Neither did I. And the second part of that is. Why is this even, like, the permanent crossover game for these two schools? I mean, I think it's kind of a fun game, but it, it doesn't, like, really just make sense. Maybe just because they have to pick a crossover game for each school and this is what it's going to be, but it doesn't necessarily make sense for these two teams. No. And it, well, it was South Carolina and Arkansas, but then once Missouri came into the conference, they switched Arkansas to play Missouri every year in the, you know, the biggest rivalry in college football. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The um... – Arkansas, Missouri, Robert, we made jokes about that last year because, like, I guess some people take it serious, but it just doesn't seem like anybody cares about that one either, and they're really close to each other. Yeah, I wish you would have listened to the Missouri podcast, Alex, because I had uh, some pretty good comments about that rivalry. So you should definitely check out that podcast. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's on on the to-listen list. The to-listen list. (laughs) Uh, because so. uh, you know that uh, uh, Arkansas had like a uh, grad transfer receiver that was like their leading receiver last year, transferred to Missouri. Did you know that? No, I did not. Yeah, so that just adds like a whole other dynamic to it. But anyway, well, we can talk about that on the Arkansas. Not to, and not to get too off topic, but has I'm sure this has happened before, but like has an Alabama player transferred to Auburn, Auburn transferred to Alabama, same with Mississippi State and Ole Miss? I'm sure it's happened. Um, I remember – 
uh, that running back for the uh, Jaguars, not Yeldon, but uh, or not Yeldon or Fournette, but uh, like Corey Grant, I think, uh, was from Opelika, uh-huh. which is just outside of Auburn. He went to Alabama initially and then transferred to Auburn. Um, but I can't think of many other people. I'm sure there's been some, but I can't think of anyone else. Yeah, I don't know like how how you can bring yourself to that situation. Even if it was like the perfect situation for you, like you're gonna get immediate playing time and like everything's just great. I just don't know how you could do that. Like I think you should transfer to Troy at that point if you're thinking about Alabama from Auburn or Auburn to Alabama. It just doesn't make sense. Uh so right. um all right, so you're saying uh AM's too physical for South Carolina here. Question about AM is they it's it's weird because you talk about physical, but then I don't associate teams that play out of the spread uh, physical, but, um, I mean, you could be physical in the spread, I guess, too. And then defense is a whole different side of the ball anyway. So you're saying A&M is physical even if they play in the spread and their defense is going to be improved under Jimbo, right? Yeah, and, you know, Mike Elko is still there, the defensive coordinator. Obviously, we really like him. We've talked to him up a lot ever since he got the job there. Oh, excuse me. And, uh, you know, he's doing a good job in uh, – you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just see what's, what's happening this year. All right. And your favorite game of the South Carolina schedule, the rivalry game against Clemson at South Carolina. Eventually, South Carolina has to beat Clemson, even when Clemson's, you know, nationally top five team like they are. So is this the year hold that Alabama – or, excuse me, Alabama – South Carolina finally beats Clemson? And you said they had to beat South Carolina, Clemson, or um, – Georgia, or you said they at least could beat one of the teams. So could it be Clemson? Yeah. Alabama, Clemson, or Georgia, yes, I do think they they possibly win one of those games. I think the two most likely ones are probably Georgia and Clemson. Um, you know, it's just a robbery game. You just never know. I mean, Jake Bentley threw for like, you know, 10,000 yards in this game last year. Um, I really, you know, I mean, I, I know South Carolina's going to be up to play this game. It's at home. Uh, I expect a really good game in this one. Um, you know, Clemson is not just going to blow, you know, win this game easily every year. I think South Carolina is going to put up a, a really good fight, but I just think Clemson's just got too much. I mean, you know, we talked to, you know, we have no idea what South Carolina's secondary is going to be by this point in the season, but that is a question mark going into the season. And with Trevor Lawrence and all the receivers that they have at Clemson, I mean, that's just not the best matchup. And, uh, you know, they've got some really talented running backs as well. So, you know, it's just going to be a really tough ask for that South Carolina defense. They're really going to have to play a great game. And I do think they'll play a good game. They're going to play really hard. And uh, I expect them to keep it close. But it's just hard not to go Clemson. I mean, they're just so good. The difference between Alabama and Clemson is I, I, obviously they're both great teams this year. And over the past, like, three or four or five years, they've both been, you know, top two, three, four or five teams, whatever you want to call it, um, basically playing the national championship game every single year against each other. Uh, but the difference between Alabama and Clemson is Alabama doesn't give anybody hope during the regular season. They they might lose one game that they're not supposed to, um, which they've done. But Clemson plays teams close that Alabama doesn't do at all. That Alabama might lose a game, but they don't play teams close that they shouldn't play close. They they right. It seems like Clemson's always got like one or two games a year that they either lose or they they almost lose to a team that is not close to their talent level. But when Alabama plays those games, they win easily. Yeah, like it's over definitely before the first half, usually in the first quarter. Right. So, yeah, definitely. I can see what you're saying about Clemson being an easier win or a more winnable game than Alabama, although both are be very tough. So that puts Clem- or South Carolina at 6-6 six and six for the year, which means you should take the over on the 5.5 that Vegas gives you. Um, the only thing we can say in closing here is that uh, South Carolina fans listening out there should be very, very patient and um, okay with six wins this year, right, Holt? Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, you know, I think next year has a, lines up a little bit better for them. Um, they're going to have a new quarterback, obviously, but, you know, they bring in one of the top quarterbacks in the country last season. Uh, his name escapes me, but uh, bringing a really highly recruited quarterback from California last year and, I think he's kind of the heir apparent there. Um, Ryan Helensky is his name. Um, so he's definitely someone to watch out for in the, in the future. I'm not really sure how well Mustang manages to recruit such high-level quarterbacks, but, I mean, good for him. 
So uh, I think he's kind of the, the heir apparent there. And, um, you know, we talked about a team. I think after this year, it's going to be all must chance guys. So they're going to be really talented. And, you know, I just, I think that, you know, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to like win the East or anything like that, but, you know, I think they're going to be a, a pretty solid, steady bowl team and, you know, have a, be really talented and be able to pull some upsets along the way. South Carolina is going to be one of the more fun teams to watch in the SEC, I would think. Not just because of their schedule, but just because you you think they're going to be improved this year, but it's going to be – it's going to show in the games, the actual games they play, but not necessarily the results. That's why I – Right. No, I do too. And I don't expect them to get blown out in really any of their games. And I don't really expect them to blow out anyone on their schedule. So I think that uh, we're going to be watching a lot of South Carolina in the fourth quarter this year, because I think they're going to be in a lot of close games. And I think, uh, you know, we're going to be flipping over to the South Carolina games quite a bit um, during this college football season. Yeah, I'm excited for it. But until next time, people, we will see you and be podcasting on, I guess, Florida Hulk. Um, that seems like the next team we should do. Yeah, let's do Florida to finish out the East, and we're gonna we're gonna save Georgia and Alabama for for the last two, just because everybody already talks about them enough, and everyone already thinks they're gonna be in the SEC championship slash playoff. So we'll save them for last, but we'll finish out the East with Florida uh, next podcast. So until then, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend because there's plenty to go around.